Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. And after this message, we want to do a little bit of ministry time. Um, just, I'm talking about prophecy, I'm talking about the gift of prophecy. And we're a church who believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we want to constantly equip and empower people to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that miracles still happen today. This is one of our, one of our core values as a church, that miracles still happen today. God is willing and able to intervene in our lives. He wants to. And so we want to be equipped for the work that's ahead. We've been in a series called Revive. It's been on my heart lately to cultivate a church that is revival ready. I want to be revival ready. Um, I've given this illustration in the last couple of weeks, but how many know there's, there's different types of fitness? There's power lifter fit. There's bodybuilder fit. Those are different. There's, there's uh, CrossFit, for those of you who like CrossFit. There's running shape. There's swimming shape, there's wrestling shape, there's rock climbing shape, all different types of fitness. They're not all one in the same. Um, how many of you like to rock climb? Like, are you rock climbers? Like, that takes some serious grip strength, right? Um, a few years ago, my wife and I, uh, we, we used to, when we were doing Young Adult Mystery, we'd do these retreats, um, conference up in Steamboat. And if you've ever been in Steamboat, right out of the, uh, the hot springs there in town, there's there's these rock walls. You can climb out of the water and up on these rock walls. And like, I don't do a lot of pull-ups. I do some pull-ups, but like after a couple times doing that, my forearms are just burnt out and I can't do it anymore. But then you got these rock climbers like Timothy. Where's Timothy? I think I saw him up there. Timothy's a rock climber. And he's just got these long wingspan, you know. He's, he's rock climber fit. And uh, Nicole Nelson, I don't know if you guys know this, but Nicole Nelson, who's our assistant uh, children's uh, director, that girl, you know, she does chainsaw art, right? With chainsaw. That girl has some, like, grip strength. And when my forearms were gone, I couldn't climb that thing anymore. She was still up there hitting the top and everything. So she's amazing, okay? So there's different types of physical fitness, right? What's my point? I believe that many times in the church, we're church fit. We have a lot of church fit Christians. We're conference fit, we're meeting fit, we're organization fit, but many of us don't know what it means to be revival fit. I want to be fit for a move of the Holy Spirit. I want to know what it looks like and not be bewildered when the move of the Holy Spirit happens. Amen? Okay, so we're all learning. We're all being oriented to um, the ways of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. We want to follow this person. All right? In our last two messages... Um, I've been focusing on the gift of prophecy. I think this will be the last one where I focus on it. Um, I, there's much more I can say on this gift. Um, we haven't exhausted the subject by any means, but I don't want to stay here forever. But we've been talking about the gift of prophecy. Why? Because when there is a genuine move of the Holy Spirit, many, many times what is accompanied with the genuine move of the Spirit is the flowing, well, certainly all the gifts of the Spirit, but uh, especially the gift of prophecy is highlighted in a move of the Holy Spirit. Um, in Acts chapter 2, um, Peter quotes Joel 2, and this is what he says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's a good thing right there. What does that look like, Pastor Kurt? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream, dream dreams. Even on my service, both men and women, can I get a witness, ladies? Okay, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 
Okay, notice of all the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy is highlighted the most here in this scripture when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, men and women, young and old, everyone's included. We all get to participate. Isn't that good news? We all get to participate. We're all part of the body of Christ. We all get the flow and the gifts of the Spirit. It's so good. But the main gift that's highlighted in that portion of Scripture is the gift of prophecy. And so I felt like it was important to just focus on this gift, demystify this gift, despookify this gift, uh, gift um, give permission to this church to grow in this gift. Okay, if you think you have to be perfect before you do something, you'll never do something, right? Okay, so we want to give permission... Uh, to, to flow on this gift, to try this gift out, to actually make mistakes and fail on this gift. We're not going to stone you like the Old Testament prophets if they miss it, okay? So give it a shot. If you mess it up big time, we'll talk about it, and we'll help you, we'll help you out, right? But we don't want to shut you down. We want you to actually try it. Okay, so one of the ways we become revival fit is by cultivating a prophetic culture. Today, I want to talk about prophetic guardrails, okay, because it's possible to get off the road, all right? What do guardrails do? They keep you from driving into the ditch, okay? <clears throat> the guardrails keep you on the road. What I want to point out about this is that there are two sides of this subject. Really, with any gift or any subject, you can get into the ditch on either side of a subject, okay? This happens all the time with the gifts of the Spirit, especially happens with the gift of prophecy. Um, it's important to know that people can err on either side of the subject. Go ahead and put up that first picture. Okay, this is a road. How many know it's possible to drive off to the left and it's possible to drive off to the right? It is the same with the gift of prophecy. There are those who will... Say, the gifts aren't for today. We've, saw, we've, we've seen it get weird, so we shut it down. We don't do that, right? Then there's the other extreme where it's like, we don't want any rules or any control. We're just going to, it's a free-for-all. Swing from the rafters, right? Okay, that's, people get into weirdness. Listen, we want to stay on the road, okay? We want this gift to be uh, demonstrated well. Go to the next picture. Okay, so this is what we need. You've got two extremes here. You've got Weirdoville. We don't want Weirdoville, okay? We've got Boringville. We don't want Boringville either. We want naturally supernatural. Listen, you were called and are called to be naturally supernatural, right? Naturally supernatural. Um, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, so you are called to be naturally supernatural. Okay, one ditch represents Weirdoville, Okay, some things people do in Christendom can get weird. There's some hamburger helper out there, okay? That represents the bad stuff. I don't like hamburger helper, okay? My wife made it like early on in our marriage, and I was like, no more, okay? So let's not do this. Okay, okay, Weirdoville. This is the group that is spooky, they're awkward, they're just off, okay? The other ditch is Boringville. These people are so scared of getting weird or so scared of being deceived or whatever that they shut down the move of the Holy Spirit, okay? One group has only form and no substance. The other group has um, no rules and it's chaos, okay? We don't want to get it in the ditch on either side, okay? The first group, Weirdoville, they can't get momentum because they scare people away. The second group, 
Boringville, they can't get momentum because people are falling asleep. Okay? We want to be in the middle, naturally supernatural. All right. Um, so remember in the past, I've, I've said this a few times from the pulpit, but I, I've said that it's actually the intersect between the Word of God and the Spirit of God where true maturity happens. We need both. We need the Word and we need the Spirit of God in our hearts to um, grow into su- um, true spiritual um, maturity. That's where we become naturally supernatural. Here's the deal. If you only have the word, but no spirit, you dry up. Okay, that's Boringville. If you only have the word, only the Logos word, no spirit, you dry up. It's Boringville. If you only have the spirit, but no weird, or I'm sorry, no word. If you only have the spirit and no word, you blow up. That's Weirdoville. But if you have the word of God and the spirit of God, you grow up, and that's naturally supernatural. Okay? Only spirit... Only word, dry up. Only spirit, you blow up. You have both, you grow up. Amen. Okay, that's what we want to have. So let's get into some of the prophetic guardrails. This is not an all-inclusive message to um, how to have guardrails, but these are some good pointers, I think, that will be good for us to grow in this gift and to not drive off the road. Okay. Um, I notice this because oftentimes when Paul gives instruction on the gift of prophecy and really any of the spiritual gifts, he does it with these guardrails. And I'm going to show you a few scriptures where Paul says, I'm giving you permission, and I'm also giving you some, gu- some guidance here, okay? We want to have permission to flow in these gifts, to grow in these gifts, but we don't want to be weird, okay? So let me show you a few um, different examples. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, um, actually it's just one. My notes say 1 through 5 here, so just one. Follow the way of love, and, everyone say and, and eagerly desire... Uh, gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, okay? He's saying, follow the way of love, don't get crazy, and don't get boring, and desire the spiritual gifts, desire prophecy, okay? Um, notice the guardrails, have love, but also give permission, okay? Let me give you another example. First Corinthians 12, 31, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and, everyone say and, and I will show you the most excellent way, okay? Then from there, that's the last verse of Uh, chapter 12, then he rolls into um, chapter uh, uh, 13, which is all about love, right? Okay, so desire the greater gifts, and I will show you the most excellent way, love. Uh, Give you another example, 1 Corinthians 14, 39 through 40. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but, everyone say but, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Okay, apparently, the Corinthian church, they were really excited about the gifts of the Spirit, but they were getting a little chaotic, and Paul had to come in and say, hey, here's some guidelines for you, okay? So notice when Paul talks about these gifts of the Spirit, he gives them kind of intention. There's, there's a tension between um, the freedom to operate in the gift and to not get um, out of control, okay? Um, <clears throat> yeah, verse 39, he says... Um, desire the gifts of the Spirit, because it could get crazy. And then verse 40, he says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Okay. Be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid, forbid speaking in tongues. All right. Okay. Paul is trying to keep us on the road so we don't get weird. Okay. Let's look at one more scripture. This one is really good. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22. It says this, do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt 
but, everyone say but, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil, okay? He says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. In other words, it literally means don't extinguish the Holy Spirit. I think some Christians, like, they have a, a, a spiritual fire extinguisher, and when, when some embers get going, they're like, put that thing out. Whew, we, 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 we put that fire out, good. Okay, now we have our order back, okay? Christians, it is possible for us to quench the Holy Spirit. Think about this. The Holy Spirit is God. And it's possible for us to quench, what, this is what Paul's saying to Timothy here, it's possible for us to quench what God wants to do in our midst. And I will admit that there's times we're up here in service and it's like, we're trying to follow the Holy Spirit. And there's times we don't really know what to do. And I'm sure we mess it up on accident sometimes, right? But he says, hey, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench what God wants to do. And it's possible for us to do that. Okay, very important to remember that. Um, Paul says to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 1.6, uh, remember this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Okay, so we can fan into flame the gift of God, or we can extinguish what God wants to do. We can fan into flame and, and you know, bring life to it, or we can actually quench what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit is God. You'd think he would just do what he wants, but actually he wants to partner with us and flow through us. And we have to learn how to allow that to happen. All right? <clears throat> how, do you, how do you quench the Holy Spirit? One of the ways, he mentions this, is by despising the gift of prophecy. Don't despise this gift. Don't um, shut this gift off. Don't treat it with contempt, okay? In other words, don't live in Boringville. Boringville is not a good place to go, all right? But notice, Paul helps us stay on the road and not drive off the other side into Weirdoville, okay? He says, but, okay, do not quench the Holy Spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, and reject every kind of evil, okay? Now he says, we're going we're gonna to flow in the gifts, but don't check your brain at the door, you're still going to have a brain. You're still going to use that, okay? Um, don't drive off the other side. Test the prophecy, okay? And if it passes the test, hold on to it, okay? If you get a prophecy and it passes the test, now you have something to hold on to. And by the end of this message, I want to talk about how we hold on to prophecy. But in the meantime, I want to talk about how do we test prophecies and how do we, um, yeah, how do we test a prophecy, so test, test it. See if it's from God. Test it to see if it's good. All right? Test them all is what he says. So we don't take any prophecy that anyone gives us hook, line, and sinker. He says test every single one of them. Don't just, oh, you're supposed to move to Zimbabwe. It's news to me. Okay, pack my bags. We're out of here. Okay? Test the prophecy. Does, does that prophecy, is that true for you? Okay? So how do we do that? I'm going to give you uh, six things today of how we test prophecies. This is very important in our lives. Because if you have um, respect for someone, um, someone who you know has a track record or a spiritual authority in your life, and they speak over you, and it's off, which happens, sometimes we just miss it, you will end up doing things or going places or whatever that God doesn't have for you. So we have to know ourselves how to test prophecy. Otherwise, you could get hurt. Okay, so uh, point number one, how do we test prophecies? Number one, is it biblical? Okay, 
Um, does the prophecy line up with scripture or does it contradict scripture? Okay, if you get a prophetic word that you're supposed to leave your, your spouse and go have an extramarital affair, probably not the word of the Lord for you, okay? Why? It's not biblical, okay? Okay, if you get a prophetic word that you're supposed to go get hammered, uh, probably not the word of the Lord for you. Why? Because drunkenness is something the Bible tells us not to do, right? Okay. <clears throat> okay, so it needs to be biblical. That's point number one. I won't labor that point too long. Point number two, how do we test prophecy? And by the way, if you don't know if something's biblical, search the scriptures. I got this word. I wrote it down. I recorded it. Search the scriptures and, and see for yourself, is this something that God would tell me to do? Many times, um, it's not. And so that's how we find out. Okay, point number two, how do we test prophecies? Does the prophecy bear witness in your spirit? Okay, Does, is there an inner witness in you that says, yeah, he's speak, yeah you're talking to me. That's, that's in my heart. That's, that's what God's called me to do, okay? Does it ring true in your heart? Sometimes people speak, speak something over you, and it's like, I, I don't know what. I don't know what that is, you know. Okay, if it doesn't feel right to you, because um, the Holy Spirit, uh, there's the word of the Lord, but the Holy Spirit should make you susceptible to that word so that it rings true in your life, okay? If it doesn't feel uh, right to you, feel free to throw it out or put it on a shelf. Just put it on the shelf for later on. And many times you'll find out, okay, I put that word on the shelf, and wow, it's happening right now. Um, years ago, my wife... My wife and I were receiving prophetic ministry from someone who said a whole bunch of things. And we're like, I don't know, true, maybe not. We put that on the shelf and like a lot of that ended up coming to pass, okay? So because prophetic words sometimes are about the future, um, they'll happen later on. So you could put it on the shelf if it doesn't bear witness to you or you can throw it out altogether. Okay, point number three, how do we test prophecies? Um, does it strengthen, encourage, and bring comfort to your life? Okay, does it bring fear into your life? Does it bring doubt into your life? Or does it strengthen courage and comfort? We talked extensively about this in the last two messages, so I won't labor this point too long. But 1 Corinthians 14.3 says this, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Okay? Um, again, I, I mentioned this in my last messages. Yes, it's possible to have a prophetic word that has an aspect of warning or an aspect of correction, but it should always be delivered with love and hope. Always delivered with love and hope and some kind of favorable outcome for your future, okay? If it brings shame, guilt, condemnation, fear, um, that isn't the word of the Lord for you, okay? Um, amen. Okay, which leads us to our next point, okay? How do we test prophecies? Does it stir your faith, bring hope into your life, and is it delivered in love, okay? If it doesn't stir your faith, bring hope to your life, and... Um, uh, cause you to love God more, you can throw it out. Uh, again, 1 uh, Corinthians 13 talks extensively about, about that, which we have covered, okay? All right, make sure I didn't miss something here. Okay, we're good. Okay, point number five, how do we test prophecies? This one's important, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to camp on this one for a little bit. Number five, does it acknowledge the incarnation and lordship of Jesus? Okay, 1 John Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, uh, John says this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Okay, notice the theme here. He says to test. And Paul says this in other places. John says, test the spirits to see if they are from God. 
because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges uh, that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is in the world. Uh, the world. Okay, so does the prophecy or the person giving the prophecy, do they acknowledge the incarnation of Jesus? Did Jesus come to this world? Do they acknowledge the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the lordship of Jesus? That's a really important thing. And I felt like, it seems like duh to a lot of Christians, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to just camp on this for a second. We don't get prophetic words from people who, who don't have the lordship of Jesus in their life, who aren't Christians, okay? Let me give you examples. Mediums, spiritualists, palm readers, tarot card readers, Ouija boards, zodiac signs, Listen, those things are not for Christians. Those things are not for the believer. And if, you've, and if you're into that or you've been into that, you need to repent and don't get information from those sources that aren't Christian. Okay, this is big for us. And I think maybe this is one of the fears that people who are in the camp, the, the Boringville camp, they're afraid that like it'll lead to um, being deceived or whatever. We, we value prophecy. It says don't quench the spirit. Don't despise this gift. But we have to make sure that we're, when we're getting prophetic words, this is from the source, is from a person who has the lordship of Jesus in their life, believes in the incarnation, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? Now, the interesting thing about that is sometimes if people get prophetic words through those avenues, sometimes there's shreds of truth within those false prophecies. Okay? A lot of people, they don't want to, prophesy or they're scared to receive prophecy because they're like, what if a false prophet speaks over me? Or what if I give a, a bad word? Then I, now I'm a false prophet. Listen, being a false prophet has more to do with the lordship of Jesus in your life. And are you trying to honor him? Are you trying to serve him? Then did I get the word right or wrong? Okay. The accuracy of the word obviously is important. But the most important thing when people are learning and growing is that they have the lordship of Jesus in their life and they're trying to lead people to truth. Okay, so sometimes there's shreds of accuracy in that. I'll, I'll tell a quick story. Um, <clears throat> a few years ago, I've, I've told this before, a few years ago, um, I was, there was a guy named Todd White, who many of you know. He was ministering at uh, the church that we were pastoring at. And afterwards, we went, to, we went to dinner. We went across the street to, I think it was Denny's at the time. And um, Todd gets this word of knowledge for this girl that she has back pain. And she's like, do you have back pain? She says, yeah. she says, yes. And so he prays for her. She feels like fire in her back. She feels like this heat in her back. And her, and her back got healed. Okay, her back got healed. Found out later on she had really bad kidney problems. She was supposed to have a kidney transplant. And I found out later on that God completely healed her. And she didn't have to have a kidney transplant because of what had happened there. But this girl was so like, she knew something so real was happening um, she wasn't a believer, uh, to my knowledge at the time. And she actually asked, she asked Todd, she said, can you talk to the dead? Can you talk to the dead? And the reason why is his grandma had died recently and she wanted to talk to grandma. So she was so convinced Todd was flowing in the supernatural. She wanted to talk to, she wanted to talk to her dead grandma. And this is what Todd said to her. He said, that's forbidden in scripture. It's actually forbidden. You're not supposed to talk to the dead. Okay. So. Even if that girl had gone to a psychic and, oh my gosh, 
this person saying things only grandma knew or only I knew. You don't know if you're talking to grandma or not. You actually don't know if that's grandma. Why? Because demonic spirits live on this earth. They're called familiar spirits. They know that story. They're familiar with passed away relatives. And so um, you don't know if you're talking to grandma or you don't know if you're talking to a demon. And so even though there's shreds of truth within something that's happening supernaturally but on the wrong side, there might be truth within it, but it'll lead, ultimately it will lead you astray. Ultimately it will, it will deceive you. And so the source where we get information cannot be from tarot card readers, psychics, those different things. We want people who have the lordship of Jesus in their life and they're walking in love. Amen? Okay. If you just, and, and by the way, this is just a good plug to just read your Bible. You can read through the Old Testament knowing, read through the Old Testament know that many, many, many times God forbids um, consulting mediums and spiritualists and these kind of things. And so Christians should know this. Um, if you don't know this, it's probably because you're not reading your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> what is interesting to me, though, is that <clears throat> there are times in the New Testament, and I should give examples of this. Maybe I will in a couple weeks. <clears throat> There's an example a couple of times in Scripture where a false prophet, so a medium or a spiritualist, gets the word, their prophecy's correct but they're still a false prophet, right? There's, remember the girl, um, I think it was Paul and I don't remember who else, they cast the demon out of the girl who was telling the future. Okay, her, her declaration about them, like you, you um, these men follow Christ, the son of God, I don't, I'm paraphrasing here. They got the, she got the word right, it was correct, right? But she was operating out of the wrong spirit. Right word, wrong spirit. Okay, so this is super, super important for us. Same thing happened to, um, King Saul in the Old Testament. God was no longer talking to him because God had, um, had determined to take the kingdom away from Saul. And so Saul, what does he do? He goes and consults a, um, a, a, a psychic, basically. And then the psychic realizes this is King Saul. She thought she was going to be dead. And he said, I swear to you, I won't kill you. And so she ends up calling up Samuel, calling up the prophet, and speaks an accurate prophetic word. It was exact. But she's still a false prophet. Why? She's operating out of the wrong spirit. And I could also give you examples in the New Testament where someone gave a prophecy, and it happened more or less that way, but it wasn't exactly the way it was said. But that person is the right prophet. They do have the word of the Lord because the lordship of Jesus in their life, even though maybe it didn't happen exactly the way they said. So being a false prophet or true prophet has less to do than the perfect accuracy of a word. It has more to do with, with does it bring glory and honor to Jesus, Okay. So I wanted to labor that point because I, I really felt like God wanted us to know this, okay? Um, does it acknowledge the incarnation and the lordship of Jesus in our lives? If it doesn't, we want to throw it out, and we don't want to go those over other avenues. Okay, point number six, how do we test prophecies? Does it draw you closer to God? Does it draw you closer to Jesus? Does it make you want to fall more in love with Jesus? A true prophecy should make you want to love God more and be closer to, to him. Okay? Um, it's kind of like the difference between um, condemnation and conviction. Right? Condemnation, it seems spiritual. It seems like, oh, I'm really, you know, God's whatever. Condemnation actually pushes you away from God. Where conviction, it's like, oh, Man, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but that is actually an avenue to, draw, to be drawn into God's love. 
So there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. There's a difference between prophecies that make you want to love God, make you want to follow him more, and, and prophecies that make you afraid of God and want to be away from him. If it makes you want to be away from God and afraid of him, that is not the word of the Lord for your life. Amen. So it should make you want to draw closer to God. Romans 8, 14, and 15, it says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are uh, the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Okay, that's the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you fear. It makes you want to know God, love God, and by which we cry, Abba, Father. If you're receiving a word and it's causing fear and anxiety and I need to get away from God, that is not the word of the Lord for your life. All right? Okay, so everything I've given here is about how to digest and test a prophetic word. All right? Um, and maybe in the next couple weeks I'll talk about how to receive a revelation and to give a prophetic word because there are more guidelines on that. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see how this week goes and what the Lord leads us to. But um, I'll conclude with this. How do we hold on to a word, a genuine prophetic word that has passed the test? Check this out. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 19, it says this, and Greg, you can come on up here if you want. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Okay? By recalling the prophecies once spoken over you, you will fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience which some have rejected and have suffered shipwreck in regards to their faith, okay? Paul instructs Timothy to take these prophecies that were spoken over you, the ones you can hang on to, and to fight with them. Take them into battle and fight a spiritual battle with them, okay? Take them to war with you. Imagine the prophecy, the genuine prophetic um, words over your life that have passed the, the test. Imagine taking those in to war with you, to prayer with you, Amen. He says, some have suffered shipwreck. Go ahead, go ahead and throw up that picture. Okay? Some Christians have suffered shipwreck. Why? Because they failed to recognize the genuine prophecies over their life, and they failed to take them into, into war with them. They failed to take them into battle. Many believers suffer shipwreck because of this. They forgot about the prophetic promises over their life, or they've despised prophecy altogether, despised this gift. All right? <clears throat> Paul says, fight with your prophetic promises. He says, recount them. How do you do that? You recount them. You recite them. You, you pray about them. You tell them to God. You declare it to the devil when he's coming after you. Amen. When you get these genuine prophetic words, take them to war with you. Take them into the place of prayer. Um, a few weeks ago, we had a staff retreat. And uh, it was mostly just R&R. &R. We went up to a cabin in the mountains for a few days. Mostly just R&R, &R, but we had a night where we, we did communion, and then we just prayed over each other and gave prophetic words and stuff to each other. And um, one particular prophecy is, was uh, over Robert, who's back here, Robert and Bree, who, who do our hospitality ministry. Um, one particular word was over him, and someone gave him this word, which was this. Uh, Robert had this thing over him, and the person giving the word didn't know this, but Robert had this thing over him like, He's had a few health issues in the past, and he said this thing like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll see all my kids grow up to be like 18, you know, that kind of age. Um, but he, in his mind, he's like, I don't know if I'll see them get married. I don't know if I'll see grandkids. It's just this thing in his mind. And this person comes up to him and gives him this prophetic word and says, you're going to see it all. 
you're going to see grandkids, you're going to see marriages, you're going to see it all. And, and of course, this person didn't know that Rob was even dealing with that, that he was thinking in his mind, oh, I, I might make it till they're 18 or whatever. Hey, listen, that's the kind of prophecy, and really bore witness in his heart, that's the kind of prophecy you want to take to war with you. So that when there's circumstances coming up, you said, no, God, you said I would see it all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live a long life. I'm going to live a healthy life. You take that prophetic word and you participate with it and declare it and it will come to pass. Some prophecy, listen, some prophecy over life is contingent upon our agreement with it. Okay, if someone prophesies over you, um, you're supposed to be a doctor. Okay, um, if you don't go to medical school, you're not going to be a doctor. At least not my doctor. <laughs> It'll be someone else's doctor. All right? Some prophecies are actually contingent. We have to agree with them. We have to partner with them. If, if you give a word to someone and they reject it, and it was the word of the Lord for that person, um, you're not responsible for that. And what God wanted to do in their life, they actually, actually it was quenched. Okay? It was actually extinguished. And so some, some of these things, we have to take them into battle, as Paul tells Timothy, take this into warfare with you. And so when you get genuine prophetic words, man, write them down, record them. And then when you get to those places, like recall them, recount them, recite them, bring them to the Lord, pray about them, and declare them. Amen? We're supposed to take these into battle with us. All right? God wants us to remind him of his promises to us. He wants us to remind him of his word. It says in Psalms 119, verse 49, I think it's David that said this, Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. We are to call God to remembrance of his words for us, for the word of God, for the promises spoken over us. He wants to do this. Why? Not because he is forgetful. Okay, he's God. He doesn't forget anything. Okay, not because he's forgetful, but he wants our participation and our... Um, and our warfare to be engaged in the battle. Amen? Amen. So um, that's how you hang on to it. Once, you get, once it passes the test, you get a prophetic word that passes the fail test of these things that I mentioned. Hang on to that word. Fight with that word. Pray over that word. Declare that word and take it in the battle. Amen? All right. Why don't you guys stand to your feet? This morning, we want to take a few minutes and just minister and um, do a, just a time of activation and, and prayer. And so I'm going to pray. I'm also going to have Harmony come up. And she's kind of a, one of our prophetic, I don't, I was going to say guru. I'm so sorry. I don't, that's not the right, that's not the right word. We've talked about that already. She's not a guru. She's a, she's a Christian, you guys. She believes in the Lordship of Jesus. All right. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have her come minister, and we want to activate you guys. Amen. Awesome. Lord Jesus, we love you. I thank you for your church. I thank you for the body of believers that is here. Lord, I thank you. You want to flow through us, God. You want us to be naturally supernatural, Lord. God, I just pray that we would learn these, um, these guardrails, Lord, that we'd be led by your spirit, Lord. We would flow with your spirit, Lord God. And I, got, I just pray for this church, that we'd be a supernatural church, a church that flows in the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit, that this church would be edified, this church would be built up and be strengthened. We love you, Lord, and we just release gifts of your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. If we have prayer counselors, we could use you to come down the front, and Harmony's going to facilitate some of this ministry. God bless you guys.
Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.